Power, 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 not pity, pity, pity. 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 All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the show. I'm Brian, host of this little here podcast. And this show is all about making space for disabled people of color to share their stories. And what a story I've got for you with this one, my dear community. What a story. Before I begin, I'd like to offer space to my newest Patreon subscribers, Anna Cole, Whitney M., Corey Walsh and Valerie Moore. That last patron is my mama, y'all. She's finally come around to my Patreon. (laughs) If you, dear listener, would like extra access to the show, visit my Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash power not pity. This episode features longtime disability justice advocate, activist, and writer. Leroy F. Moore Jr. As the founder of Crip Hop Nation, which is a platform for disabled musicians, he has firmly secured the place of disability culture in hip hop since the days when hip hop really started gaining popularity as a legit music genre and outlet of expression. He has created many singles with other Crip Hop Nation artists from all over the world and continues to write at a prolific pace, including poetry, a children's book called Black Disabled Art History 101, and a graphic novel, Crip Hop Graphic Novel Issue 1, Brown Disabled Young Woman Superhero Brings Disability Justice to Hip Hop. Gotta get those, y'all. They are so dope. Leroy is a world builder, a political agitator, an international social justice warrior, and if you would have me, a friend. So I decided to try something a little different with this episode. Leroy's latest book, Black Disabled Ancestors, struck me with such beauty, I decided I just had to share it with you throughout this episode. I'll be reading clips from two stories that tell the history of a few of Leroy's Black Disabled Ancestors. They also offer a picture of what it would be like if these ancestors reach across space and time to meet each other. So please don't judge me too harshly, because I'm making my acting debut. (laughs) So let's get into it. Conversation. Jim Crow and Porgy 
come back to chop it up. We are not fiction. We were reality, your present, and your future. The year is 2020, and Porgy, a.k.a. Samuel Smalls, and Jim Crow, a.k.a. Jim Cuff, rise from their graves screaming, We are not fiction. We were reality and your future. Their souls couldn't rest as they watched from heaven the status of black disabled men in the year 2020. Both knew about each other's lives and had been talking in the afterlife, and both have come back in spirit to have a conversation on what they had been through and what is happening to black disabled men since their death and what the future of black disabled men could be. Samuel and Jim are limping to a table with a white cloth over it and two big royal silver chairs in the middle of an empty street of downtown Oakland, California. As their eyes meet, three blocks away from City Hall, both black disabled men fully clothed in the fashion of their days, they acknowledge each other with mixed emotions that you can see through their body movements, facial expressions, and their eyes. As they got closer and closer, the weather turned from a humid 80 degrees to raining. Their black disabled bodies hugged each other, and it seemed like time stopped. As they backed away, they noticed the people of the city were sitting all around them. They limped backwards to their big silver royal chairs covered by white cloth. As they took their seats, the sun was beaming down and all eyes were on them. Their cries bounced off downtown buildings, then dry silence. Their eyes locked on each other like they were alone. Once again, both cried out, We are not fiction. We were reality. Your present and your future. Jim Crow sat back in the huge silver royal chair that almost swallowed his thin elderly body while Porgy barely fit his muscle-bound body into the chair. Jim Crow softly spoke. Both of us were robbed of our names, lives, and stories by white men. While they got rich off of our names, talents, and stories, we died in poverty, and now people don't know our real stories. Porgy shaking his head agreeing, he shouted with laughter. <laughs> we were the original oppressors of ID theft, or cultural appropriation, or erasure. Any way you name it, back then, we didn't have a voice, or disability rights, or disability justice and no platforms like Crip Hop Nation and Poor Magazine. Shit, at least in my fiction life I got a woman, Bess, but now all I see are single black disabled men. The table shook as Jim Crow stood up and punched the sky while saying, I tried to warn the black community at the time that a white man offered me money for my clothes, and I even taught him how to do my dance, but nobody listened. As I saw my name go from stages to courtrooms, I was shouting, but I was seen as a crazy old disabled black man with limited English. Jim Crow cried, 
while consistently pushing up in his royal silver chair. Yeah, what is this hip-hop appropriation BS? Both of us got the real stories, Porgy busted out. Has time changed since George Gershwin stole my story? I mean, even back then, the black community didn't want a black disabled man representing the black community. This hush-hush is still going on. Come on. Porgy's body expanded at each word he let out. Hey, big man Porgy. Have we benefited from integration? I mean, at least back in our days, we had Black-owned businesses, colleges, media, and even institutions, although we Black disabled people were most of the times left out. Jim sang a spoken word song in his old-fashioned folk. Porgy slammed his cane on the table and everybody covered their ears. Hell yeah, we benefited and lost at the same time. Porgy leaned back in his chair and started to moan like he was trying to bring back blues singer Blind Willie Johnson with Magic Johnson's smile. Remember, we watched the progress, parents' movement, and the disability rights movement in heaven. Hell, Jim, we saw the disability arts movement and even black disability movement, although it is slow and not supported by our own black community. Porgy frowned as he spoke while rocking back and forth in his tight chair. Once again, tears flooded City Hall's courtyard as Porgy and Jim Crow sang in harmony. What happened to our black disabled brother? So who is Porgy? Who is Jim Crow? And what's their significance to Leroy? He told me that Porgy was the first black disabled man he has seen on TV when he was younger. Jim Crow was a person he learned about much later in life, and he had a profound effect on Leroy. And you know what? As I was reading this first story, I realized that what Porgy and Jim were doing while they were communicating was actually a cipher in their own way. So what's a cipher? It's a magical place where rappers and hip-hop fans, they gather to show off their talents. So here's what Leroy has to say about this unique way to express and connect with other like-minded hip-hop heads. Growing up in New York at that time, you know, hip-hop was on the corner. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I lived in Manhattan, but I used to go to the Bronx every day because that's, that's, that's just where, where he was popping the Bronx, you know. Yeah, but, the X all day, all day. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah, with my walk, I clip, 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 you know, walking to the cypher, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was really amazing. Because you saw everybody there, you know, you saw, you know, one on, on the mic, you know, you saw, you know, I saw 
people with crutches break dancing. I mean, it was so open. It was so open. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing times. Yeah. I, I just feel like hip hop right now is a different whole whole different vibe because it's it's commodified, right? Like it's not it's not what it originally was because it's it's no longer like community oriented. Not in the U.S. You know, if you go outside the U.S., it's like you know, hip hop is really community. You know, that's, that's why I love I love hip hop because it's so international. Yeah. You know, I, I used to see that when I um, traveled and I traveled a lot. You know, I saw it in the U.K. I saw it. In Spain, you know, I saw in other spaces that, you know, hip hop was really um, community and really um, radical politics, you know. Tell me about what it was like in South Africa. Because I remember you were down uh, there, right? Yes, yeah, 2016, you know? 2016, 2017, yeah. yeah. So, what's the cipher like out there? Oh my God! It was so, so the first artist that that, that came in had no legs. Oh, had no legs, and he was busting it. Of course, he yeah. He was hip hop, and I was like, "Damn!" And I was, was like, "Yeah, you go." I was like, "Damn, I like this," you know. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. It, it was it was totally awesome. It's like wow, yeah, and it, it was a mixture of like traditional music and hip hop music, and traditional dance and hip hop dance. It was just amazing. Oh my god, so so funny. So I get I get on the plane. I get out the plane and I'm um, Simon, Simon's there, you know, Simon um, lives in South Africa because he does a newspaper for um, artists with disabilities. He's yeah. not disabled, but he has some politics, you know. So, so anyway, he picks me up and um, we had a couple of hours to kill before we go to, you know, the hotel or something. And and it's like, I saw the TV. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, there's not one white person on TV. Yes. No, that's what it's like in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, my God. Like, wow, I was so hypnotized. So I was like, what, 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 what are you doing? You just watch the TV. You got, you got work to do. I was like, I but um, it's, 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 it's interesting we got pulled over by a cop. It's like, wow, I live South Africa. I get pulled over by a cop. Wow. And I thought, everywhere, huh? I was like, okay, so something don't change. Yeah, I guess things really don't change when it comes to the police, huh? Racism still persists regardless of what country you're in. And black disabled men are disproportionately affected by police brutality. But black disabled women get targeted too. Let's not forget their names. 
Nowhere is this more clear than in the stories of Eleanor Bumpers and Corinne Gaines. Here's Leroy's account of what it might look like if they met each other in Times Square. Story 4 Eleanor Bumpers and Corinne Gaines come back to talk about black and blue left on their black disabled bodies by the police. Times Square stood still as two women figures walked hand in hand into what looked like a huge boxing ring. Then the boxing wings shut up in the air like ten feet off the ground with them in it. Both women looked down and around, and all eyes were looking up on them. For the first time, Eleanor and Corinne took time to really notice each other, and they gasped at the same time. Both women looked stunning in the face, however their bodies were nothing but bullet holes. And when they noticed... Tears rolled down their beautiful faces and somehow made them stronger. Times Square was packed with newcomers to the city, young twenty-somethings who had no clue what happened to Eleanor or Corinne. I was shot by NYPD in my own apartment before most of you was even born. Eleanor stumped her walker as she shouted. Everybody tensed up and it was so quiet you could hear the crowd breathe in harmony like a Sunday Baptist choir. Then, out of the blue, Eleanor screamed. There was no Say Her Name or Black Lives Matter back in the 80s, but my son told me a young black disabled boy tried to contact him. He was too torn up and ashamed to answer his letters. I heard he is in Berkeley, still fighting police brutality against people with disabilities. Her words smacked people's faces like ice-cold water. The crowd grew by the second, with real, true New Yorkers, the elderly who knew Bumper's story and who lived in her apartment complex but now are homeless because of gentrification. They made a circle around the twenty-somethings like they were taking over. Eleanor felt good, like the crowd had her back. I miss my son. I hope he got some therapy because... He saw everything. Corinne stood straight up with a long rifle by her side. I was just coming into my disability and was reading more and more about disability justice. It looked and was revolutionary like me. The writings of Patty Byrne turned my view on disability. It was so sad to see that BLM and even me too aren't recognizing her work. Both ladies sang... You have much to learn, my sisters, or do we call you our sisters? They were on the same wavelength as both shouted. Our black disabled sisters need you. Don't you see their struggles and art? Thunder and lightning lit up Times Square as the stage the two women were on lowered slightly and the crowd got closer. Eleanor raised her walker and shouted, Listen to Crip Hop Nation when they said, Police training is nothing new, and don't give police more money. Get that straight. 
because NYPD said the same thing after they killed me on October 29th, 1984. Karen lowered her head and shouted with her hand cuddling her head. Same excuse after the popo killed me on August 1st, 2016 in my own home. Like you, Eleanor. But my son, my baby, was right there in the same room. He was only five years old at the time. Eleanor bent down and gently raised Corinne's head up. This, this is our chance. We must talk to the crowd eye to eye. Now we got your attention, you must be yourself. All yourself, including your disability. Make sure people are seeing all of you. We, Eleanor and I, will guide you from above to deal with ableist, sexist, racist, and classist structures. Let us guide you, knowing that sometimes you can't wait for advice and need to find your own way. What was that feeling like when you, when you would sit down and you would write and you'd say, okay, this is not about me anymore? The, the answers just woke me up. They said, literally write, write our stories. You know, from here, coming to, um, to, to Jim Crow, to, to Robert Winters, I mean, they all visit me. Like, they already got like the story. I mean, really, I mean, like, two, two o'clock in the morning, I had to get up and write. That, that, that book was first on in something else. It, it wasn't me, you know. It, it, it's funny because now the book is out. They don't, they don't visit me as much. It's like, oh, I miss you guys. We gotta go back. It's like, go back now. I wanna talk some more. I got more questions, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that, that book was just incredible. Yes. I love that the spirits of Porgy and Jim and Eleanor and Corinne influence Leroy to write about our ancestors meeting in the present day. I'm a firm believer in the idea of looking back to the past to guide you towards the future. So here's Leroy talking about some radical changes that he would want to see happen in an accessible future. Radical changes, oh my God. I would love to see, um, you know, with, with Port Magazine and other places, you know, the end of police, you know. Um, I would like to see Black disabled people take their rightful stage in the Black community. So, like I said, coming back home. And can, can, can you imagine that all the black disabled people that work for these white disabled organizations come back home and work in the community? That would change everything. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, building um, black disability studies, yeah, so things like that, um, you know, just radical, 
black and brown disability living. You know, be beyond these structures. You know, having our life supported without paying the government every year for you know on SSI cuts and all that stuff. You know, making sure that we you know get married. I mean, if we want to, I mean, disabled people now can't get married because their benefits will be cut. You know, so things like that. And, 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 and globally, that, that, that's where I'm, I think that's where I'm hitting next, and where you know, Quick Pop is there already. But I think that's where my my work on wants to go next. Is this has a global, a global black disability get together? Here's my last question for you. It's something that I usually ask everyone on the show. What's your disabled power? Yeah, my disabled power is, is my ancestors. The work that they've done throughout the decades and centuries before I was even born. You know, it gives me a foundation that I've been here and I will always be here as a black disabled person. So that gives me power, that gives me a solid foundation that nobody can shake that, not even capitalism. You know, and keeping this solid foundation, no matter of fact, um, Crip Hop is about to, you know, have um, a solid foundation for the future to come. So we are putting together um, an LLC for Crip Hop. Um, we're also discussing the Crip Hop Institute, you know, where, um, Black disabled people can come and see themselves and participate, you know, so. Okay, wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to tell me? Uh, just, just be a lookout for a lot of stuff coming up in 2021. You know, my book, um, For You, Black Disabled Young Men, is coming out under, um, under Soulful Mindworks, it's um, Keith Jones' um, publisher company, a black publisher company. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. Um, you know, his, his CD is coming out, and the Quip Hop Institute, you know, it's coming. You know, and um, hopefully next year I'll be at UCLA. So I'll be knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when you when you get there, you can always knock on my door, Leroy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the beach. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's it, community. I hope you enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun dreaming up the soundscapes of each story and geeking out on finding the right song for each part. I also learned a lot about my ancestors while doing the research for this interview. 
I took the time to educate myself about the Black disabled people in my Jamaican and American ancestral lines, the ones who were determined to make space for Black people to be free. I relearned about disabled musicians like Bob Marley and Yellow Man, to freedom fighters like Nanny of the Maroons, and of course, Harriet Tubman. I got chills working on this one because it felt so, so personal, new, but old at the same time. I decided to sing for the first time on this podcast, which was super personal for me. I think Leroy's stories opened up a portal for me and they led me to a place where I was able to dream about freedom. I hope this episode gave you a little chance to freedom dream with me as well. Big ups to two musicians who made their way into this episode. Dodgy C and Gio Milko offered up the blues riffs throughout the episode. I also included music from Crip Hop Nation artist Counterclockwise. That's Willa Kay. His track, The Whip, was the bridge that led into Eleanor and Corinne's story. Black disabled ancestors can be found at poorpress.net, along with all his other publications. You can find him under the name Leroy F. Moore on Facebook and as Black Crip on Instagram. That's Crip with a K, if you don't know. If you, dear listener, enjoyed this episode and want an extra slice of show goodies, like a shout out on the show and early access to clips, check out my Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash power not pity. So there's no other way I could end this episode without a performance from Leroy himself. Here's the ending song to the story of Porgies and Jim Crow's cipher called The Real Jim Crow. I hope you enjoy. Here 
as people emulate and got paid while you, the person in history, paid. Now people speak your name, but not the person. They should be ashamed, passing down incomplete stories. We will never know the real Jim Crow. This is a black disabled history, just like the real Corgi. Jim Crow died in poverty. From mental shows to hip hop shows, the dance inventor, we still don't know. Myths are fact, I will not let you go. Keep on dancing and singing the real Jim Crow.